Welcome to our podcast series from the Global Critical Philosophy of Religion Project. This project aims to rethink the philosophy of religion from the ground up, with an entirely new set of categories and questions. As you may imagine, this is no small task. The interview series on teaching is created by Nathan Lowen. The interviews are supported by a grant from the Wabash Center. All of the podcasts you find here on the Global Critical Philosophy of Religion are hosted by Study Religion, a production of the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama. How might philosophy of religion be taught and studied in the 21st century? Kevin Schulbrack teaches and writes about the philosophical study of religions at Appalachian State University. He is presently interested in the relevance of embodied cognition and social ontology for understanding what religion is and how it works. Dr. Schilbrack was part of a pilot project teaching philosophy of religion with a global critical approach. The pilot was supported by a Wabash Center grant administered by Gary Kopf of Luther College. We had a conversation on January 8, 2021. We talked about how a revised approach to the field might influence how philosophy of religion is taught. So, um, thanks so much for appearing here at 8.30 in the morning on a Friday. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about getting ready to teach a global critical philosophy of religion course and understand that that's not something you've necessarily done. And in fact, probably none of us have done this. Uh, in, in the thorough way that we're trying to figure out right now in this workshop. Right. Um, right. What do you think goes into a conventional philosophy of religion class? The conventional topics which you're going to find in any textbook for philosophy of religion are, are going to be arguments for the existence of God, and there's classical ones. Um, uh, the nature of God, what properties God would have to be in order to be, to be God or to be worthy of, of worship. So if the arguments include cosmological and teleological and ontological arguments, <clears throat> and then the nature of God question is, you know, what does it mean to be omniscient? Uh, what, is, what would an omnipotent being be like? If there's an omnipotent being, do human beings have free will? Um, and then there's usually a cluster of, of, of topics like the religious existentialism class that you're talking about. There'll be uh, a textbook could focus on religious experience and mysticism, um, religious language, and whether uh, uh, metaphor or um, metaphysics um, is a different kind of language for dis discussing the objects that people care about in, in religion. Um, another topic that you see in a lot of textbooks is religious diversity and how should people in one religion think about right. those who are on different paths. And, um, and so like when that course is being taught, um, is there also like a set of philosophical tools that you think are being granted or given or equipped with students when they go through that conventional course? Um, you know, you talk about topics, but what, what sorts of tools do you think they pick up along the way? I think this is a, a, a good question because it gets at a um, two ways to answer it. And so I have a fairly conservative answer, which is that the philosophical tools in a traditional or conventional philosophy of religion class are simply the tools of philosophy and they belong in the university. They belong as part of the academic study of religion, just like philosophy does. So if the tools have to do with um, 
uh, building an argument, uh, critical uh, reading of primary texts, a weighing of evidence. Um, I don't reject traditional or conventional philosophy of religion or exclude it. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, whatever you want to say, house it or nest it within a broader definition of what the um, discipline should care about. So I think that the discipline has been narrow, but I don't think it's been wrong-headed. And, and one of the reviews of my book said I was uh, merely a revisionist, um, not a revolutionary. And, and so that's the distinction I'm trying to make. I, I want to revise conventional philosophy of religion to be global and to be critical, but I, I don't argue that, and this would be the revolutionary position, which, which I take seriously and, and deserves um, discussion, is that the tools of traditional philosophy of religion or the classroom in traditional philosophy of religion is covertly um, confessional theology and that it doesn't belong in the academy and, and that questions about what would something have to be like to be worthy of worship? Is there too much evil in the world to believe that there is a, um, um, uh, a benevolent creator? Um, does the ontological right. argument make sense? All those traditional questions, they don't belong in the academy because they're basically in service of Christian practice, as opposed to philosophical investigations that um, are, I guess, the right word is secular. So if I understand this correctly, it's the tools are good, the application of the tools you find to be not useful for um, right. a critical approach. That's exactly right, but that's my answer. And then the rival answer would be, no, the tools are bullshit and the, the tools are, um, uh, and and what, what you're asking me about and what you've already um, pulled our conversation into is, I think, absolutely crucial in the academy today because there are so many um, people who understand the word critical that's in our title in this particular way where they say the critical study of something does not answer its questions or get, or you can't, uh, you know, undo the master's health with his tools. And so criticism is going to be um, unasking these questions or, or putting these questions in question. So really what you and I are already talking about is what is the meaning of critical for us in our group, but what does it mean for the academy? And I think there's a wide range of views of what it means to be a critical scholar. Right, so in, in a way what you're saying is that there's one kind of secularizing ideology Exactly. in conventional philosophy of religion that has a set of questions that inevitably, if you're trying to be a philosopher about it, lead to an inevitable secularization and that actually, whoa, 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 stop the record. Yep. We need to actually um, question the ideology of those, not just the topics, but the questions that are asked under those topics and maybe even right. reverse back a little bit over those topics as well and say, what's an alternate set of topics? So what would the alternate set of topics be then? I'm, I'm going off, off script a little bit here, but I think that's kind of where we're going and I'll pull us let's back go in. Off, in let's second. go off script, in, off script in one minute, but I, I just have a quick anecdote that um, for me illustrates how, how salient this issue is because I don't think it's fringy at all. So I was on a panel with a big, big, big name religious studies person and that person said the academic study of religion has to distinguish itself from theology. And that means in the classroom, we're not going to be telling students, oh, this is this makes sense, or this is right, or this is good or true. And I said, but in philosophy classrooms, 
that's what they do all the time. And you know, the paper might be use um, utilitarianism to figure out whether or not we should have welfare or whatever it is. But when the, pa the paper is going to be, the right thing to do is to provide for people in this way, given this definition of what happiness is or whatever. That right. um, philosophy has this normative agenda. And so in my eyes, philosophy of religion has a normative agenda where it's going to be making judgments about what's good or true or just or, or real. And there's no way to purge those things from the academy unless you're kicking philosophy out altogether. And so I said in response, there's no way to make your case that religious studies doesn't tell people right from wrong without also kicking ethics out. And the person said, that's not true at all. Ethics belongs in philosophy, but philosophy of religion, or, or at least the theological version of it, doesn't belong in the academic study of religion. So I, I consider these to be, you know, red hot issues, like very live yeah. issues. And, and you're, you're, what I hear you to say is that the tools that we normally use in philosophy are the ones that we should be using in a global critical philosophy religion that's class. Right. That is my view. Mm -hmm. Is there another way that we could head into the restructuring of a class yeah. that doesn't involve us repeating a bunch of stuff that we're only going to debunk in the last four weeks of the semester? Hmm. I, I think a new world is dawning. And so there's the old way of doing things that still continues to be replicated in philosophy of religion textbooks. And we're looking at a new way. And, and so if we're in the middle where we're critiquing the old and building the new, how much of the old do you have to give them in order for them to understand the critique? And if you just jump straight to the new, um, what what um, continuity is there in terms of the definition of what we're doing? Because if, if you say, but we're not going to ask any of those questions and we've got new tools and we've got new subjects, it's not clear that it's the same um, discipline. Field. Anymore, yeah, right? That's exactly right. Um, but what we're talking about is not, there's not going to be an answer where the question, the answer is going to be, you have to use 50% of traditional or conventional philosophy of religion and 50% of critique or something like that. This is going to be an art that depends on whether you have grad students and whether you have undergrad students and, and whether the class is on religious existentialism or whether it's on problem of evil or whether it's just on, at my school, it's called reason and religion and the, the philosophy nice. of religion class. And so um, it's going to depend on your context and your, your audience and, and really your goals as a teacher about what you want students to walk out of your class, what learning objectives you have in the classroom, so that you might have a, what I would consider a legitimate philosophy of religion class that had no Christian materials in it at all. <clears throat> and then the students would walk out of there knowing about arguments about God and about ultimate reality and so forth, but they might come from an Indian context or, right. or there's different ways to do it. Um, it might come from a Muslim context and, you know, and there's so many ways to do it. But I mean, that's, that's the beauty of what we're talking about because if, if philosophy of religion from, I don't know, 1960 to 1990 or something like that was um, pretty clear what was going on there. And this is my criticism that it's too insular and it did right. not build any bridges to history or to anthropology or to sociology or to gender studies and so on. Um, if we want to build those bridges and we want to have a global and critical philosophy of religion that builds those bridges so that we're in interdisciplinary conversations with others, there's going to be lots of negotiation of this gray area of are you still doing philosophy of religion um, or... Um, and the know. defense to that, by the sounds of it, from your point of view might be, yes, I am. I have these basic set of tools yeah. that I agree happen 
seemingly in most philo philosophy courses, and I'm applying them to just this area or field of topics That's exactly that most right. people conventionally group into the genre religious. My final question, you know, uh, there's a cookbook that I got when I was younger called the More with Less Cookbook. Mm. And it was like how to make food with just small, small number of things, right? And the maxim, you know, mm. more with less or the other way around, less is more, um, has been, you know, mentioned by different folks in, in pedagogy as well. Mm. And it sounds like you've got an answer to this question already, right? And, and the question being, we can't just add more stuff in right. because that's just going to make our teaching confusing. Be in anthropology. I think anthropology may be more than anywhere else, but it's going to be in global studies and it's going to be in history. It's going to be, it's right. a great, great question of, of whether, what criticism means or whether you continue to be critical and what tools you want students to walk out of the classroom having um, learned to master what tools you want them to master. Because if you're criticizing people's ways of life, it's going to be um, a politically charged environment. Well, but you, you, the, you're the, the, foundation of that question was the less is more idea. And um, I mean, there's no way to, to, to cover the, the whole globe. And so even in aspiration, if philosophy of religion or religious studies is, is global, you're going to have to teach it using, um, you know, as Russ says, you know, an EG that illustrates a larger point that you're trying to make. You know, this is good and it'll good, be a good lead into the um, conversations of our workshop. Uh, I have a friend at my university who's a film studies expert and um, uh, being um, superficial and trite, I, I saw him at, a, at an event and I said something like, oh, I love movies so much. I should teach a class on, on religion and film. And he said, but what would be the um, uh, goal or the themes or the, the point you were trying to make? And I didn't have a question for that. I just liked movies. And so I think there's that danger that you, you throw together a class, and this is the opposite of what you just laid out, which sounded pretty cool. You just throw together a class with stuff that you like, and the students go, but what does it add up to other than the fact that you as a teacher like that topic? Well, that's um, how world religions is taught a lot of the time. Yes, that's a good, that's right. But as opposed to saying, I want students to see that the way that this category is constructed, and here's a way of illustrating that. I want students to see that People who are in religious traditions often have representative intellectuals who devote their lives to, to demonstrating that it's true or, 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 or at least in line with their scriptures or, or whatever it is that the intellectual is trying to do, whether it's, you know, <clears throat> Shankar or Maimonides or whoever it is. And, and, and so this is an illustration of that. So just planning where you want to end the class and then finding the elements that help the students get there. That, I mean, that's really what the best practice is in higher education, I think. But there's a danger when you have so much put in your lap. You know what we're talking about now is well, don't forget Taoism. Yeah. What about what about Theravada Buddhism? And is Marxism a religion? You got to have that in the class. And and the, obviously there's so many different schools of Judaism and and, and just schools of Marxism. School. Yeah. <laughs> and so so there's too much. You have to think. I think maybe from where you want the class to end up, and then you build it from from there. Yeah. Agreed. Well, this That's has been really good, one. Kevin. Thanks so much. It really was. Uh, I'm going to close this conversation off here. Okay. Thanks. For more information about the Global Critical Philosophy of Religion project, please visit our website at globalcritical, and that's all one word, dot as dot ua dot edu. 
There you will find our participating scholars, publications, sponsors, projects, and contact information. Study Religion is a production of the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama. For more information about our department, please visit the website at religion.ua.edu. Or you can search for our department on Twitter, Instagram, Vimeo, Facebook, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify Podcasts. Thanks. Goodbye.